Hello, my friend, and welcome to TFU News and Views, episode number 50. Oh, my goodness. I am your host, Anthony Percali, owner-operator, madman, behind TFU.info, the website, the Tory Archive. This podcast, Transformers University podcast, and oh, so much more. And I want to welcome you to the 50th episode of TFU News and Views. I'm actually shocked that we've gotten here. A part of me is shocked that we've gotten here to 50 at all, because <laughs> this was kind of meant to be, um, it's my place to rant and to share ideas. And then part of me um, is shocked we haven't been here sooner, because uh, this was also meant to be uh, a bit of a news uh, update kind of thing. So between the two, between the news and the views, uh, I... I I don't know if I was supposed to be at 50 yet or if I was supposed to be way past 50 at this point. In any event, I want to thank you for joining the ride. And I hope you're taking the ride at Transformers University as well. Lots of great content there. Lots of fun stuff there. We're covering a lot of Japan and Europe right now in 1987. Uh, we'll swing back to the uh, U.S. side of things soon enough as well. But enough about that. What I wanted to talk about today as we race towards both an online convention from Hasbro in PulseCon 2021 and an in-person convention in TFCon Baltimore 2021, just want to share, I guess, musings and thoughts I have had over the last few months about fandom, about the direction of our fandom, about the direction of Transformers fandom, and looking at it through a lens of the direction of some other fandoms as well. Um, you know, I'd say part of this has been inspired uh, by some of the toxicity I've seen around the Masters of the Universe fandom, which for the most part has been a very dormant fandom up until just recently, there hasn't been a lot to talk about in terms of the public eye, in terms of the the zeitgeist and the the cultural consciousness around He-Man and around Masters of the Universe until recently with uh, Mattel putting out two very different and both very well-executed cartoons uh, for different audiences. And I've, I've spoken on, on this podcast, I think, a number of times about uh, how much I've liked uh, Revelation. I don't think I've mentioned how much I've liked He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, the new reboot, uh, the CGI for kids show that uh, uh, certainly aims higher than the kids it is intended for, uh, may have the best Skeletor of any animated He-Man iteration and it's just plain fun. I mean, if I was to pull it down, if you haven't watched it, it's on Netflix. If you haven't watched it, I would say it's a bit like He-Man, the story as told through a PS2 role-playing game. It, I mean, it feels, maybe even a PS1 role-playing game. It feels like He-Man done through a Final Fantasy lens. In a lot of ways, especially with, when you see the the 
way and the shape and the art design of some of the weapons and some of the people. And I, I don't want you to take that as a negative. That is very much a positive. Uh, the story is, is well told. The comedy is genuine. Uh, the emotion you feel watching it is genuine. Um, and we'll circle back a little bit on, on He-Man and upon about fandom and about the uh, Motu fandom and Transformers fandom. And, you know, a phrase that kind of popped into my head when I was thinking about the Transformers fandom, I guess it wasn't really a phrase. It's, it's the name of a band <laughs> um, and not a band I listened to either. But back in the day, I don't even know what this band sounds like. I couldn't name one song. If you put them on, I wouldn't know uh, you were playing them. But back, back in my younger days. So uh, I, I can't imagine young folks are doing this with Spotify or Apple music. Um, but my teenage years, um, going to a record store was kind of a way to just discover things and going to a, you know, a store that sold CDs and music was just a way to discover things. And even if you didn't like the style of music or, or whatever, everything like that kind of branched off from rock, uh, whether it be, Soft rock, hard rock, adult contemporary, disco, metal, punk, alternative, everything that kind of like fit under this rock umbrella was always all in the same section alphabetically. So you would flip through the CDs and uh, I'm sure you could probably do this now at an FYE or, or uh, I guess a Borders, a Borders books. There's no Borders books, Anthony. Um uh, what's that place? Uh, Newberry Comics. You could probably do this to some extent in one of these places, right? But uh, in the day when there was just so much more physical media, uh, you would flip through and you would kind of like find the markers of, of where certain letters and parts of the alphabet were. And so you would, you would end up between uh, between artists and then just kind of flipping through things that you had no interest in to see if there was something you did have interest in. And there was this band whose name was Pop Will Eat Itself. And uh, that phrase, Pop Will Eat Itself, um, it's always kind of stuck in my head. I think as a teenager, I, I, I didn't quite understand the phrase at first. I, I, I thought they meant himself versus itself, and that pop was a person and not a, a style or a genre of music. And, you know, once once it dawned on me what it was trying to say, um, it's it's basically like the snake eating its own tail. And that is one of those things I fear for the Transformers as a brand, as a fandom, as as basically a combination of story media, TV, comics, whatever, what have you movies and a combination of physical product being the toys that we're kind of in this death loop right now in that in some way and some collectors want this and I don't exactly understand why but I do understand liking new versions of old characters they want to check off the box of putting a generations version or an updated version of Every character that has ever been introduced 
and every character from a particular year, 84, 85, 86, or the subgroups, right? Or, or, or the pretenders or whatever it is that we haven't gotten yet, right? Or that we've only gotten part of, you know? And while I appreciate that for what it is, because some of these updates are, are really good. Like, for example, the Earthrise Starscream mold is by far the best Starscream mold I've ever owned. And I own a lot of Starscream molds. And I would have been severely disappointed if they didn't at least do six, the six, you know, the main six Decepticon jets. Even though I've bought them time and again, I bought them all as the classics mold and I bought all of the ones they did do as the siege mold. If they didn't do all six jets, I'd have been disappointed. But then there comes the point. Do they do Sunstorm? Do they do Bitstream? Do they do Acid Storm? Do they do, you know, whoever that might be, whoever that person might be? Do they do Slipstream, who they've never done as a Seeker jet? You know, and and, and then the ones they have done, like G2 Ramjet. Okay, I'm glad they did it. Are they going to do G2 Starscream? Do we need a G2 Starscream out of that? So my point here is that there, there's limits to how many times we can take a bite at this apple, how many times we can go around. And for people who want to, you know, put the ping pong ball in the cup, I, I, I don't know how much longer the line, the brand, and really the fandom as a, as a whole wants that. I think it's one of those things that worries me because I'll give you an example. Uh, pre-pandemic, actually many, many years before the pandemic, not many years, but enough years before the pandemic. It was probably 2016 sometime. Um, I went to a baseball card show, um, not as a baseball card collector, not, and this is again pre-pandemic when before baseball cards seemingly made this huge comeback, but I went to a baseball card show uh, at Hofstra University in New York on Long Island and I went there really because Beckett Grading Services was there, and I was in the process of selling off uh, some vintage Magic cards that I had from uh, the early '90s, ones from uh, Alpha and Beta series, and a few Unlimited, and ones that were definitely worth some money. And I was like, "These are worth enough." No, no Black Lotus before, but there was a Power Nine card in there. Uh, I needed to get them graded. There was a lot of dual lands. I needed to get those graded. I sold them all on eBay. Um, and if you're wondering what the Power 9 card is, I'll tell you, it was a Beta Mox Sapphire uh, that was not in uh, terrible shape, but uh, after grading it, uh, it certainly didn't come back as high as I had hoped. Uh, but there were some some nice pieces in there in terms of the dual lands and a few other discontinued cards and some alphas. And I went to get them graded. And while I was there at this baseball card show, I was kind of just walking around and it wasn't terribly busy. It was not terribly crowded. And it felt like the dealers all knew each other and they did these shows all together all the time. The prices were all about the same at every table for the same things. And it seemed like what I could tell the dealers were also all older men of a certain age with a love for, for the hobby and for, you know, baseball. And that was it. Whatever baseball had done, it had made an impression on them as a kid. It was certainly one of those things that was never going to get better, that the current state of the game isn't better than the old state of the game. Mickey Mantle was the greatest player of all time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, 
But looking around that room, it was kind of sad because it made me think of what Transformers fandom might be if it doesn't, as a whole, continue to bring in new blood. And your thoughts on the Bay films aside, they brought in new blood. Your thoughts on anything post G1 aside, your personal opinion doesn't matter. It brought in new blood. It brought in people who will enjoy the fandom for what it is and enjoy the hobby and dig back and go back and learn about the old stuff. And having to keep reading that and having to keep reviving that is incredibly important to the fandom. And, you know, I put it in the context of a conversation also I had the other day about Saturday Night Live. Um, there's a point where you hit an age where you feel Saturday Night Live isn't funny anymore. And here's a simple fact. If you go back and watch the age from when you thought it was funny, it's not funny in the same way you think the current show is not funny because everybody's adolescent SNL cast is the best SNL cast. Uh, I'm one I really actually appreciate SNL uh, through the years, and I, I've grown to really understand how tricky that comedy is. And even the years where I thought it was bad, I've gone back and watched them like, oh, you know, it's pretty good. But that notion that everybody's cast that they grew up with is better. Look, I could tell you the cast from the mid 80s. I can tell you the theme song. It's burned in my head. Dana Carvey, Nora Dunn, Jan Hooks. Actually, Phil Hartman, Jan Hooks, Victoria Jackson, John Lovitz. Like, I, I, I know that whole opening theme and every person that was on it. I'm sure you do too. Whether it was the first cast, was it whether it was the Will Ferrell era, whether it was more of the more recent casts. And my point there is, right, once that thing sticks with you, that's the thing. That's your baseline. And sometimes it's hard to break out of that baseline. And I think as a brand, as a whole... Transformers needs to break out of that baseline. They need to start reinventing. They need to start figuring out things that aren't G1 or G1 rooted. They need their, for all intents and purposes, they need their next generation. They need their DS9. They need their lower deck. Star Trek is a great example of creating series within a context uh, with new characters. They need to do that desperately in order to survive. It is a world transformed, where things are not what they seem. Want to learn a bit about the Transformers? Think you know everything about Cybertron, but are looking to learn a little bit more? Enroll today at Transformers University Podcast. Each episode will tackle a piece of Transformers history, starting in 1984 and marching our way up to today. Hosted by me, Anthony Brucalli, three-time Emmy Award winner and consulting producer on Netflix's The Toys That Made Us, and lifelong Transformers fan, we'll go on a journey through cartoons and comics, toys and movies, and all the weird esoterica from around the world, chronicling the adventures of everyone's favorite robots in disguise. Listen to Transformers University on iTunes, Google, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Transform and roll out. Now, speaking of surviving, another thing the brand needs to survive is being able to impress you, the fan. And one thing that goes a long way 
towards stopping that. Yes, stopping that are leaks. Uh, and I don't think I have not been any clearer th- than this on on social media, on Twitter in particular. Leaks are bad for the fandom. That's a hardline stance of mine. Leaks are bad for the fandom. They are bad for Hasbro, which I hate to tell you, owns the brand. So anything bad for Hasbro is bad for the fandom. Leaks are bad for the product because what happens is people make knee-jerk reactions based on a blurry leaked image or some sort of unofficial piece of photography or, you know, an incomplete or unready piece of photography uh, that can kneecap a product. And finally, leaks are bad for the people. And I say this because you can talk about Hasbro as this multi-billion dollar conglomerate. And I get it. I get it. But ultimately, people work on these projects. The release of news around these projects belongs to those people. Give you another good example from real life. Uh, in my friend group, I had a friend group that, um, you know, kept in touch online uh, as a big group. And, you know, there was a couple in that group that we knew and, and we had watched their daughter grow up and you know she was kind of the uh the mascot daughter for a lot of us because they were older and uh they had a kid before any of us had kids and so she uh grew up she became an adult she got married and one day on our uh facebook group one of my friends announced how she was pregnant and the thing is is that that wasn't her father or her mother announcing she was pregnant. It was just one of our friends who kept up on that family. And it's like, man, dude, that's not your news to share. Um, it's like if for those of us who have been married, gotten married, gotten engaged, imagine if someone told your parents you were married before you'd got the chance to. Or told your parents that your child was pregnant before that child got to. Uh, That's the kind of thing that I feel leaks are. Because people work for these projects. They work on these projects, these toys, uh, for a year and a half at a time, right? So taking that away from the designers, from the marketing people, from the people that write the backstories, from the people that... Uh, figure out the the color decos and the layouts and the the tooling layouts. Like, yeah, I get it. Hasbro is this multi faceless multinational conglomerate. I get it. And it, yeah, does it hurt them financially? In the long run, yes. In the short term, probably not. But in the long run, yes. Here's the thing. So you take those leaks, you take those that information that's now out there that wasn't ours to know and wasn't the leakers thing to share. And you've taken that away from those employees. And on top of it, you've put multiple people's jobs at risk. You've put the person presenting a slide 
as uh, the recent leak of Cybertron Metroplex, you've put that person uh, and their job at risk. You've put the person viewing the slide and whoever their employer is uh, as a toy buyer, you've put their job at risk. You've put the jobs at risk of anyone who is in that room or sharing that document because now the hunt gets on to figure out who shared the image and who was in the room taking pictures. Now, look, you're going to say, and, you know, you get, you do this website and you do this podcast and you get free stuff from Hasbro and you're a Hasbro shill. And uh, yeah, I get that too. Uh, and to some extent, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm not going to say that I don't support Hasbro um, fairly uh, regularly. I don't do it blindly. Uh, and I don't see a need to support anything that's going to take away from the official brand. Yeah, that's that's why I'm collecting. That's why I'm into this. Now, um, it's not to say I won't be critical of them uh, and their approach. I won't be uh, to say I won't be uh, negative in in my coverage when they're wrong. But overall, like, look, they're out there just they're trying to make toys that are fun. And if toys are not fun for you inherently, maybe you need a new hobby. Now, one more thing on leaks, because I think it's important. Look, I get things leaked to me. Um, as being, being a fairly well-known website and being, uh, um, I don't know if I'm a well-known podcast or podcaster, but uh, I do get things from friends uh, who aren't leaking it to me for news, but like, hey, check this out, this leaked to me, and uh, you know, people know people, and things get passed around. Yes. I will tell you, back in February of this year, 2021, I got leaked an entire slide deck like the one you saw, Cybertron Metroplex. I've been sitting on it since then until everything on there comes out as official news. And I will tell you now, as of October 2021, not everything on it has been announced. So yes, there's leaks out there. Um, I'm in the position to publish it. I'm in the position to spread it to a lot of people. I have a lot of followers on Twitter. I have a lot of followers on Facebook. I have virtually no followers on Instagram, but uh, that's because I don't use the platform. I have a very well-known website that I could throw it all up on the front page right now if I wanted to, but why would I do that? Why would I put myself uh, in a position to, one, sabotage my relationship with Hasbro when they do things like invite me to the fan wall at, at you know, uh, what was it, Hasbro Fan Fest or at this upcoming PulseCon. Breaking news, I will be on the fan wall at Hasbro PulseCon next week. See, that's not a leak. That is information I have. It is information I haven't been told whether or not I'm allowed to share, but it's not going to spoil anything for Hasbro unless you really hate me. Um, in that case, I guess you, your job is to put your thumb over my face. And you know what? If you like me, put your thumb over my face. Take a picture and tweet it out on Twitter. I'll find that amusing, I'm sure. Hopefully I won't be stuck behind Jackie Jennings and uh, in the shot and have to kind of lift my head out and peek out from behind this time around. But yeah, I could, I could share out those slides. I'm not. I've held on to them for posterity. Uh, for my friends over at TF Wiki for when all this stuff is long done and they can republish it as part of history and we can compare what happened to what didn't happen uh, based on those slides. 
But no, I'm not sharing those slides out. That's ridiculous. Uh, and any site that does that should be ashamed of themselves, should be ashamed to call themselves a news organization or a fan news organization. Because if you're a fan, you don't put the product and you don't put the brand that you're trying to support and you're trying to be ambassador for at risk. Just that simple. Now, finally, I did promise one of my patrons my thoughts on Star Saber and um, and that was whack when it was announced. And I, and I want to, um, you know what? I'm going to pull up that question right now because I want to talk about it in the context of the, the question that came my way. So I had a message from Jay Soups, one of our folks over on the patron, one of our patrons, Patreon students, uh, goes by the name of Joshua Supreme. And he asks, uh, I'm just a G1 minor leaguer, but I didn't even know about this character until it was mentioned as a possibility a few months ago. It seems to miss the clear money-making fan base that was so very into Unicron. Or is that the idea? Spread the wealth. I mean, obviously, dating myself, but I am still hovering my cursor over HasLab Unicrons for resale. But I can't imagine doing that for Star Saber. Uh, I'm sure that it is a big deal release. So I need an educated fellow to drop the knowledge on the character and why it's a good choice for HasLab. Well, sadly, I didn't get a chance to record that while the um, while the campaign was still running. So Joshua, I really hope, really hope you got in on it. So the importance of Victory Saber. Uh, so first off, let's talk Victory Saber. Victory Saber is combiner. He is both Star Saber and Victory Leo. So I have not watched all of Victory. I have a general working knowledge of the show to some extent. I own an original Victory Saber, which uh, came to me from a friend who was just selling off stuff uh, to make room. And so I got it at a very good price, I must say. Uh, it certainly has... Um, certainly skyrocketed in value over the years. Uh, it's a figure I really never, I wouldn't say I didn't want to own it, but I was never really like Jonesy known it. So I'm really glad I do own it because the ones from Japan uh, from the late 90s that are now crazy expensive, I wish I'd gotten in on sooner. Now, uh, from a toy standpoint, it is an enormous figure, enormous figure, leader class, Optimus Prime. And I tweeted this out a few days ago from Earthrise comes up to the middle of his knee. Now, he's not as big as a G1 Fort Max, but he is certainly really big in combined form. It features Star Saber, who is a brain master, who is, uh, uh, has a smaller mode called Saber, and then also a brain master, which is like this little, it's almost like a headmaster, but it's the face. Uh, so they would uh, transform, and then you'd push this little elevator that would rise up into the face. And Victory Leo, who is a lion and a robot, and I believe he is Jinrai from Master Force, the previous Japanese series to Victory, uh, reborn. And Jinrai, for uh, folks who don't know Master Force, is the Power Master Optimus Prime toy um, in Japan. He is a separate character from Optimus Prime, even though uh, some of the dubs call him Optimus Prime and he is Japanese. Um, but he he's a different character named Jinrai who looks like Optimus Prime and then becomes uh, uh, Super Jinrai when he combines with 
his uh, trailer in the Power Master Optimus Prime toy, and then God Jinrai when he combines with God Bomber. Uh, so Victory Leo combines with Star Saber to become Victory Saber. Now Victory Saber basically is this lion that has like this BS spaceship mode and uh, splits apart to become armor. So like the reason why Victory Saber is such a tall toy is that <laughs> Victory Leo, a uh, big chunk of him becomes boots for the figure. Okay, so why is this character important? Well, he's the he's a leader character, right? He's a leader of a Japanese series that isn't Optimus Prime. So he is like a Rodimus Prime or um, even Fortress Maximus to some extent in the Headmaster series, at least uh, in the comics in the US, right? So he is a leader of the Autobots. So there there is a certain cachet to that as well. Uh, he's a Japanese character, which also carries its own cachet. And then you know, that crowdfunding project means like that's the only time it's going to get done. So there's a lot of uh, driving factors to that. And I'm glad it funded. I'm glad it funded well over and above the tier three uh, portion of the project. And in fact, I'm going to pull up the numbers as of right now. Um, and today is October 14th. It is almost 9.30 p.m. on the East Coast in the U.S. And we're looking at 27,358 backers. So we've hit all three tiers. Uh, we get a couple extra MicroMasters that go with these. So you're essentially getting four toys instead of two. Um, and in, in uh, what are their names? I don't see. I'm not even terribly familiar with the Japanese names for these guys. Uh, Holly and Fire. Uh and and in Japan, the uh, the rescue squad, as it was sold in the United States, or rescue team, I forget which one's squad. Squad are the small ones, teams are the big ones, if I remember right. Um, for MicroMasters, they, they were kind of a big deal in Japan. I'm surprised they didn't try to find a way to do the other two from this team, but you never know. We might see that later. So yeah, uh, Star Saber and Victory Saber are kind of a big deal. Star Saber's had a bunch of toys over the years. Um all in Japan, though. Aside from his original, he had two toys, uh, three toys in the Robot Masters line, so did Victory Leo, and they did combine. Uh, he had a figure in the um, Super Collection figure line from Japan, all known as uh, Heroes of Cybertron in the U.S., um, and he had version with uh, Victory Leo parts to make him Victory Saber. And... He had a masterpiece figure, which Victory Leo did not. So yeah, so there's the importance of Star Saber. I'm actually really happy. I was really excited about that HasLab because it felt positive. It felt like there was a positive energy around that. And with such negativity uh, in the fandom and, uh, and a little bit of a malaise in the fandom that we're retreading a lot of G1 and that we're doubling back and tripling back and quadrupling back on certain characters and concepts uh, because, you know, Hasbro needs to keep names for legal reasons uh, because they need to keep producing toys every few years. Uh, that that it was kind of a breath, breath of fresh air. I don't know if it's the best character choice, but clearly it funded, clearly funded well above where we thought it would land. And so, great, great, great for Hasbro, great for us as fans. I think the pricing was really good, just below $200 to get was essentially a leader class figure in, in, in uh, victory Leo and then a, a almost commander class figure in star saber plus two micromasters plus the stand plus the blast effects plus all the accessories. Um, 
I think I would have been disappointed if we didn't get the MicroMasters. And I'm glad we hit that point. And I think I'm going to loop back here to, <laughs> I guess, uh, pop will eat itself because I will circle back here and talk a little bit about how all this fits together. So ultimately, the thing that bothers me about leaks and the thing that bothers me about the future of the brand kind of all coincides. Leaks take away from your enjoyment, from my enjoyment. That's why I say they're bad for the fandom. Leaks take away from your enjoyment of the moment, right? There was joy in the moments the Star Saber hit all of the tears. I felt genuine excitement. I was refreshing that page waiting for it to hit that 20,000 tier on tier three. Uh, and I actually was glad I caught it exactly when it hit 20,000. There was genuine excitement around that because you didn't know if it was going to happen. You didn't know what was coming and you got to live and enjoy in that moment in the same way that when that star saber figure comes, you're not worried about what is next. What's the next tab has lab because it's going to be a while and you don't have to. And I think as a fandom, as a culture, as toy collectors, as a whole, you need to stop worrying about what's next because what you have is right now. I haven't opened a lot of kingdom yet. I haven't opened some Earthrise yet. I don't want to yet. Not because I don't want to open them because I want to have time to enjoy them. I'm not worried about what's next. I want to worry about what I have. <laughs> and so for you, for my fans, for my listeners, for my Patreon students, I leave you with this. Live in the moment. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy what's here. Because if you've learned anything from being in a global pandemic for a year and a half, it's that we're not promised tomorrow. We don't know what that day is going to bring. And I know it sounds so simple and sounds so passe, but God, it is the truth. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy the figure for what it is. Enjoy your collecting and your hobby for what it is. And for the things that you just don't like, move on. Move on. There is nothing in this hobby that is so bad, that is so awful in terms of the things in this hobby <laughs> that not the people in this hobby, not the things that the people that are in this hobby do. And I mean that for toy collecting as a whole, not even just Transformers. There's nothing in this hobby worth getting bent out of shape over. They're just toys. I've said it before. They're just toys. And in the same way, it's just a TV show. They're just comic books. They're just pieces of media. If you don't like them, forget them and move on. I've forgotten so many things that I do like. I don't have time to worry about the things I don't like. If there's a piece of media that bored me for an hour, okay, I lost an hour. Move on. I can sit around and rail on it for another 20 minutes because I was mad about it for an hour because you'll never get that 20 minutes back. You already weren't going to get that hour back. So live in the moment, enjoy the moment, enjoy life in the moment. Finish this podcast and go give someone a hug, find someone you love, just give them a hug. All right. Just appreciate them being there. 
And with that, I am going to wrap up episode 50, TFU News and Views. Don't forget, check out PulseCon, October 22nd, 2021. I will be part of the Transformers fan wall. I don't think I'm at liberty to say what time it's at, but it's pretty early on in the con. So uh, that schedule should be coming out soon. We'll figure it out and look for me and uh, take pictures and screen grabs of me. And hopefully uh, I will find something amusing and fun to do in the background because they're not turning my sound on. Uh, so I want to make sure that, that uh, you know I'm there. With that, I hope you do check out Transformers University. I hope you do check out the website, the Toy Archive. And of course, the Twitter handle, at TFU underscore info. That's where I hang out online. So come find me. Come say hello. Come drop me a line and tell me what you think of this episode. Till next time, I am your host, Anthony Bricali, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info. See ya. Thanks for listening to the show. Want to be on the show? Leave us a voicemail at 702-763-4838. That's 702-POD-4TFU. Or send an email to info at tfu.info. Be sure to catch us on Twitter at TFU underscore info and on Facebook and Instagram under the username TFU info, all one word. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TFU info, where we post all of our podcasts, plus special video segments, reviews, and live coverage of Transformers-related events such as New York Toy Fair and New York Comic Con. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please visit us at www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive. <laughs> <laughs>